Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. We are taking a break from our series today on power through the Gospel of Mark. Um, I want Susie's fingers to cool down but not go cold. So um, this is going to be a word about worship. And uh, I was just sitting here in in the pew just a moment ago thinking of all the churches this morning that are blessed to have one pianist or organist. How in the world did God bless us to have the two and the best in South Carolina here this morning? I'm telling you what, don't tell me God is not good because uh, he has blessed us this morning. And so let's read God's word together. It is in your bulletin or uh, you can get your own copy of God's word. Uh, we are going to be in Psalm 100 this morning. It's just a little five verse sonnet or song that says a lot about worship. And I'm telling you, my heart has been full of worship this week. And so let's join together as we read God's word. It says, shout with the Lord, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. I wonder if this psalmist was Baptist. (laughs) But it does. It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into the courts with praise. (coughs) And give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Whether you are here today and you are one of those that are in the last, not to be doom and gloom, but in the later stages of your life, or you're like these little children just ran out to have some fun in children's church. From every generation, God is the same and there is hope and that his love is good for every generation. And so, you see, what I wanted us to, to focus on with a copy of God's word this morning is that the actions and attitudes we bring into our worship experience dictate the impact that that worship will have on our lives. The attitude that you have when you come into worship dictates the type of worship experience that you will have. You see, God is the one true God who gives us the privilege of worshiping Him. We must approach Him with excitement and thankfulness and reverence and gratitude. And I'll tell you what, again, as I said a moment ago, my heart is full this morning as our church family has been led to the throne of God through worship from last night with Joseph Habedank and today with our music team and Susie Turbyville. You see, music has the ability to tie our hearts and emotions directly to God's heart. And that's what we see here in Scripture. So as we close out our time together this morning in a few minutes, I don't want to miss an opportunity to take advantage of this very teachable moment. You see, the book of Psalms in the Bible is a collection of songs. It is a song book. And although the tunes are unknown, we can gather a lot about God as well as the actions and attitudes we should have towards worship. 
You may have heard the phrase, you get out of something what you put into it. You ever heard that? You get out of something what you put into it. And I would challenge that in worship, we say you get exponentially more out of worship than you put into it. So today we begin the service with reading Psalms 1, and you have it printed in your bulletin, and now we unpack it. The theme of Psalm 100, it is an invitation to enter joyfully into God's presence. Now, as we go through this passage, I, I kept the idea of a concert kept going through my mind. And so what we see here is that this invitation, it would be like you're going to see your favorite football team or a concert, and then all of a sudden in the mail you get a VIP pass, backstage access, or go back to the locker room and talk with the coaches and the players. You get immediate access to those people. Folks, we have an invitation, a VIP invitation, to talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to talk with our Creator through worship. And this invitation invites us to join into God's presence. And, and just as a kind of ramp up to this, <clears throat> if you were to go and start in Psalm 94, because this Psalm 100 is kind of like the, the if you were doing a song list, and you're going to see your favorite artist, and they do all of their songs, just like last night, Joseph did some amazing songs, but we weren't going to let him leave here without him singing that last song, here he comes. Because that's, that's one of everybody's favorite songs. And so, as you see Psalm 94 through 99, these are songs, these are hymns, these are ideas. And then 100 is the encore. And so, in Psalm 94, if you just take the first verse, it says, O oh Lord, the God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, let your glorious just, justice shine forth. In 95, it says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 96, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. Psalm 98 says, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. Psalm 99. The Lord is king. Let the nations tremble. And he sits on his throne between the cherubim and the whole, let the whole earth quake. Folks, when the Lord comes to earth again, he will make things right. And he will not be vindictive. He will vindicate those that have been persecuted for the Lord. He will not be hateful in that. He will not do that just for the joy of getting revenge. He is not a vindictive God. But my friends, understand, every act of evil and aggression and sin that is carried out, whether it be in Ukraine or under your very roof at home, will be vindicated one day by God. So as we look at Psalm... What we see here is the first thing I want you to see in verses 1 through 2 is that worship is a result of two specific actions. Proclaim and serve. In verses 1 through 2 it says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before Him singing with joy. Ha! Preacher, I'm so glad to be here at church today. I am Filled with the joy of the Lord. 
Or, you know, now look, somebody will say, he wants us to do things I'm just not comfortable with. Look, I'm not saying you got to jump pews. I'm not saying you got to take a lap. But, and, and, and for some of you, honestly, your, your, your act of worship is just sitting there and taking it all in. And that's fine. And that's fine. I'm not telling you to be something you're not. But if you're also that same person, that when you're in worship and you're just taking it in with your arms crossed and your eyes squinted, what does that look like? Looks like we had prune juice in the communion service. And again, I go back to a cause. Now, if you're that person that is all solemn in worship, but yeah, when your basketball team is playing and the refs are not calling it right, or you're at the ball game or at the concert, woo, and having a good time, do you think they expect you to be sitting there going, I don't think so. Of all the people that deserve our praise, of all the people that deserve our adulation, of all the people that deserve our joy and our respect, it's not a team or a jersey or a musician, it is God. And so we shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before Him singing with joy. There is nothing in this passage that tells me that worship is quiet and somber in a personal experience that is not to be expressed to God. I'll tell you what, many of you love seeing your children, especially grandparents. You love seeing your grandchildren. And we all have people in our life that we just light up when we see them. What would they think if you see that grandbaby after you hadn't seen him for a while and you're just sitting here going, wouldn't be nice. Better yet, what if they look at you like that? Look, I used to be a youth pastor. I've, I've gotten that look plenty of times. When we come to God and we, we, we give off of that vibe, what does that say to God? What does that say to our neighbor? Again, I'm not trying to, to, to change us and, and generate a, a Pentecostal kind of vibe. I just want it to be honest. If you're going to shout at a ball game, shout at church. If you're going to wear your team's jersey in the week, wear God's jersey. If you're excited about going to a game, if you're excited about getting those VIP passes, be excited about coming to the Lord and coming to church. And, and the truth of the matter is, I'm, I'm literally kind of preaching to the choir because you're already here. But own it and love it. You see, worship calls you and I to respond with action. Unlike many other psalms, Psalm 100 does not begin with a declaration of God's sovereignty or God's power. It is a call to action. It'd be like when the, the musician says, okay, we're going to do our favorite song. Everybody up on your feet. Everybody goes, get on their feet. and Everybody clap. Everybody clapping. In the Baptist church, everybody stand up and sing this hymn. Oh. And lo and behold, if you do another hymn behind it. Oh, oh, my back. But yeah, you'll still be the same people in the body. Woo! Yeah! And I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking about any one person. I'm talking about anybody. This is a call to worship. And it, when it says shout to the joy or shout with joy to the Lord, 
For those of you that are King James Version folks, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, shout, if you, der- if you look at the derivative of that word and you break it down, you know what shout really means. Shout! Shout means shout. And here the idea is giving a shout when the king appears. Imagine sh- the shouting and the pageantry when the people's king would address their people. It would look like a royal wedding that we watch on TV. That's the kind of pomp and circumstance that the psalms, psalmist tells us to approach God with. Many will shout and cheer and yell when their favorite team comes out of their favorite or their favorite performer comes out. I'll never forget many years ago, back when I, I did watch basketball a little bit, there was a guy you may have heard, heard of called Michael Jordan. And they had that theme song that would play. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And then the game is on. It just, it was amazing to watch. When's the last time that, that I or any of you just came in here and said, Oh my goodness, I cannot wait to worship God and see what He has for me today. Most of the time we come in here and say, oh, oh, God, you better bless me today because I need you, Jesus. And the focus of our worship is all about what we need and not about what we ought to give back to him. I got news for you. Worship doesn't start at 1030 on Sunday morning. It starts on Monday morning at 7 a.m. and it goes through the whole week. Why does anything that the God of the universe, why does he deserve any less than anybody else? Are you excited about worshiping God? Better yet, would others know that you are excited about worshiping God with your response? When he says all the earth, though many on the earth today reject God, he is the God of the Old Testament. He is the God of the New Testament. He is the God of creation. He is the God of right now. And he is the God of the future. We serve him. We worship him. And if somebody rejects God, even today, it does not mean that he is not God. It means that they have rejected him. And it says here that all the earth is invited to sing hymns to God in this passage. This is a call to worship God. And I know I'm challenging the tradition of what many people think worship should be in a Baptist church. I know what people think worship should look like in a, a full gospel church or what, uh, you know, this is the way we do it, preacher, and this is just what works for us. Okay, great. But what does it say about your faith? What does it move in your heart? Do you feel it or is it just an emotion? You see, worship should not draw attention to ourselves, but direct it to God. There's a hilarious video on uh, YouTube with uh, a comedian named Tim Hawkins, and he talks about hand-raising and how the, the, (laughs) the different denominations, you know, the Baptists are like this. And then the more full gospel they get, they're like this, this, and then he just, you know, you, your hand raising is about, you, he equates it to the denomination. But the truth of the matter is, if, if you are just raising your hand and asking God to speak to you, or you feel his spirit, in, look, it's a, you do you, you worship as God wants you to do. And don't judge that person that is just sitting there. Cause they may be worshiping, I don't know. But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you what. I'm not asking you all to do anything that is 
bringing attention to yourself or anything that would distract somebody else. I'm going to tell you, when I go to a concert or I go to a worship service and somebody just starts shouting or doing all that kind of stuff, I'm like, wow, that person's having a good time. It doesn't offend me. I don't think that that person is unholy. I just think that person is having a worship experience. And if more of us had worship experiences, I think it would, it would transform our worship as a church. You see, worship is not about looking how animated I can be, or worship is not about how somber I can look. Worship is an honest response to the Holy Spirit. Whether you are a hand raiser, an arm crosser, an eye closer, or a pew jumper, or a lap taker, whatever it is. Here's the question I have for you. Does your worship Truly represent the Holy Spirit moving in your heart, or is it a trained response that you do out of habit? I've told y'all plenty of times before, my, my dad's father, I never knew him because he passed away too soon, but they told me that he would chew every bite of food 23 times, religiously. I tried it one day and it just ended up like baby food in my mouth. I couldn't do it anymore. But everybody, 23 times, there are people that have been going to church for years, time after time after time, and it's gone through the head, it has bypassed the heart, and it's gone to oblivion, and they just do it because that's what you always do. And I'm not throwing you all under the bus if that's you. We all have trained responses, but the truth of the matter is, when is the last time you let worship Hit you in the heart. When is the last time you came as an open book and said, God, you speak to me? Whether it be through a hymn, a chorus, a scripture, or just someone saying hello and smiling at me. It says worship, meaning serve the Lord with gladness. Folks, service is worship. We serve those we love. We serve them out of love. Why are there people in the back right now? teaching children's children church and the gospel is because they love God and they love children. Why are there people that, that teach Sunday school classes? Why are there people that will scrub door jams with Mr. Erasers just to get the church ready for a concert? Why are there people that will, will pick up a piece of trash in the parking lot? Why are there people that will just do something that many of us don't even see? Because they serve the Lord because they love the Lord. I am sure that our musicians here today can make a lot of money playing in other venues. But they are here because they are serving the Lord and using their gifts to worship. And bottom line is, those who love God serve God. Those who love God serve God. Service is worship. If you're that Christians here to say, oh, pastor, I just want to be fed. Feed me the word. Nom, 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 nom. Okay, we'll feed you. We'll give you as good a dose as we can. But my friend, if all you do is eat and you never exercise by serving, you will become spiritually fat and lazy and obese. We love God and we are to serve God. You say, well, I don't know what to do. I promise you, if you ask me or someone, we'll let you know. Better yet, ask God. He'll let you know. The second thing we see is we worship God as our creator and shepherd. Again, he says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We worship God simply because 
He is our creator. Let that sink in for a minute. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. There are many people that are trying to set themselves up as the world power, the world dominance. But the truth of the matter is, believe it or not, your bill collectors are not your God. Your doctor is not your God. Your financial nest egg is not your God. Your relationship with that person is not your God. Your politician is not your God. Your God is the one true God, the creator God, Yahweh, the one and only I am. He is the one true God. I am not being closed-minded. I am not being opinionated. I'm simply telling you what God said Himself in His Word. He is our Creator. And worship acknowledges that we agree to that and we come under His leadership. And when He says we are His people, the sheep of His pastor... If you want to be a sheep, you have to be redeemed. And this is the case where the shepherd died for the sheep. I want to show you this verse real quick. When, when you just read it in Psalm, you may not get the full picture of it, but in John 10, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me. I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. That's key. I have other sheep too. They are not in his sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. There will be one flock with one shepherd. So when we read Psalm 100, when he says that they are my sheep, he is referencing Israel. He is referencing Israel. When Jesus says it, he is referencing Israel and you and I. We are If we have Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are his sheep. The third thing that we see is that obeying God's commands of worship leads to his faithfulness for generations. Obeying God's command of worship leads to his faithfulness for generations. It is my prayer when I am long gone and I am taking that long nap until the Lord calls me home, I pray that these little children that are marching out to children's church have been taught by their parents to do the same thing that their parents are teaching them to do. is to be in church, to worship God, and to live a life worthy of His calling, and to make sure we put ourselves in, and are actively involved in the process of worshiping God. Whether it be at Holman Park Baptist Church, or the full gospel Pentecostal holiness on the frontage road. Wherever it may be. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates. The building and the campus may have the name Homeland Park on it. But this is his place. His gates. And it is God alone we come to worship. To enter his gates with thanksgiving. Think about that for a minute. The scripture says enter his gates with thanksgiving. That means if we're entering with thanksgiving, we don't find thankfulness when we get here. We bring it with us. Are you thankful today? Oh, preacher, you don't know what I got on me. No, I don't. Look, you want some luggage? I got some I'll give you to carry of mine too if you'd like. If, If you like carrying emotional baggage or spiritual baggage. We all come in here. It is like the TSA of an airport. All of us, all of our luggage being run through every every Sunday. But the truth of the matter is, is that the best thing that we can do is put our luggage down and say, I am thankful, God. Although I don't have what I want. Although I don't, 
I am not in a position where I want to be. I am thankful that you have brought me to where I am and you have been faithful in my past. You are faithful now and you will be faithful in the future. So I worship you today because I am thankful for what you have done and what you are going to do. You come into these doors with that attitude, it will change your worship. John Vernon McGee has this illustration. He says, this is the way God wants you to come in to his presence. Someone once told me that they attended the services of one of the greatest churches of the past, and they had never witnessed a place that was so dead. And I've been in some, I'll never forget when we were in New Vision, and uh, it was a, a singing group. Uh, those of you that know Joyful Sound from uh, uh, North Greenville is very similar. We'd go into... Oh, gosh, how many churches in a year? I'll never forget, and I'm not going to name it, but I'll never forget the coldest church that I've ever been in. And I could have sworn you could have ice skated down the aisles. You just felt it when you got in there. It was, woo! It was a dead church. So, this man tells J. Vernon McGee that that church was dead. Do you know what the problem was? The people were not coming to church with praise in their hearts. They did not come to the service with thankfulness in their hearts to God. And they did not enter his gates with thanksgiving. So if you want to know, what do I need to do to to really worship? Preacher, I, I just want to worship better. It's not changing the music. It's not changing the worship style. It's not adding a drum to it. It's not adding a cajon to it. It's not adding another singer or taking away a singer. It's not about all of these things. It's about the attitude that you come in with worship. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you come into this this place with that kind of attitude for thankfulness of what God is doing, the one true God, it doesn't matter whether we have somebody up here playing pixie sticks or playing with Legos, or we have somebody that's got a full orchestra, it does not matter. Because it will be honoring God, and we will be thankful for it. And it says in verse 5, His unfailing love continues forever. Psalm 100 instructs you and I to put down the cares and the worries of our lives by remembering God's goodness and dependability. What does it mean here? His unfailing love continues forever. This is what it means. God will never run out of mercy and love. God will never run out of mercy and love. It will always be available until that day comes where the offer is revoked. And it won't be a case-by-case basis. It will be like a gate that has slammed shut, a faucet that has been cut off, a road that has just been closed right in front of your eyes. No matter how much love and mercy God has extended to you, I got good news for you. He's got more if you need it. So, oh, preacher, I'm like on my third chance. I've tried three times and I still can't get it right. So God will give you a fourth one. He's the God of the next chance and the one after that. And the one after that. And don't worry, he knows if you're faking it. He knows if you make a commitment, but you really don't mean it. And he'll deal with you on that. My prayer has been for some people that when they are in situations that I know that's harmful, I pray that, God, you will haunt them until they have no other choice but turn to you. And I'm grateful people have prayed that same prayer with me. Though these days are evil, God is still here today, my friends. And he's going to be here for future generations. So don't believe what the news channels tell you. 
Don't believe what your social media feeds tell you. Believe what God's word tells you. His unfailing love lasts for generations. If you hadn't heard it in a while, let me tell you something. God loves you. Period. God loves you. Not depending on what you do or don't do, just because of who you are. God loves you. And he wants you to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise and give him the honor that he rightly deserves. So as we have come this morning and we have sang hymns and we have our hearts have been moved by these instruments and the gifts of these musicians... What is the power behind this? It is not the tempo of the music. It is not the the composer of the music. It's not even the ability of these great musicians. It is the Spirit of God. So I pray that today, as you have read Psalm 100, and you have heard it preached, and you have heard it explained, that you will understand that you have a responsibility for you to come into worship with thankfulness. And my friends... If you do it, that person beside you will do the same. Don't be plastic. Don't try to do what you think someone wants you to do. You do you. But whatever it is, may it be honest. And may it be filled with joy that gives credit to the one true God that called you here. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our worship thus far this morning. And Lord, I just pray that, Lord, if there is one person here that would say, look, I've been worshiping, but it's all been habit. It's all been religion. It's all been just actions, but it's not gone through my heart. My friend, if you want to know Jesus Christ in your heart as your true Savior and Lord, and that you can have that Holy Spirit interceding for you in your worship, if you want to know Jesus this morning, You can come forward. I will pray with you, and we will settle that today. Or if you are a believer that has been convicted that your worship has not been what it should be, commit that to God. If you want to come forward and pray, or pray at the altar, you can do that. Or if you want to join the church, whatever it may be, this invitation is a time for you to respond. For it's in your name we pray, God. Amen. Would you please stand?